Let's from the hills reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Thank you. I don't know why they say these things about me. Um, I never let people know about, you know, the CV and stuff because in here, what we are all is children of God. My first calling is not as a prophetess or as a pastor. Those are functions. Your calling is to be a child of God. So I am a daughter, and that's all. Amen? Um, English is not my first language. <laughs> um, I try to roll with it as much, but if something slips my mouth in Spanish, I will translate. <laughs> it can happen. <laughs> Okay, I love my Spanish, um, and of course, I roll so much easier. So, I will do my best. I write my messages in English just to keep myself in English. Let's see how it rolls, and uh, I am so blessed to be here. This is my third time around here in this nation. Um, I want to go quick into the message, but um, I would like to tell you a little bit of how I got in here because if there is something that I know God is able to do is to fulfill his promises and his word. And um, when I was 19 years old and, and I was going to college by that time, I was in my third year of college by that time, um, I remember I used to visit, I grew up in the church and uh, I grew up amongst pastors and ministers and all of that in my family. But when I got into college, you know, these groups, you know, that they meet together of young youth, you know, during college years, you know, doing the gospel and all that. And we will go to retreat every semester. And I remember there was a semester in which we went to this retreat and the Lord spoke to me and he told me, I am going to give you a word that will change your life forever. And I said, okay, God. It's not like it hasn't happened before, you know, I, I don't have time today, but I do have a testimony from my childhood and how dysfunctional and difficult it was. And the Lord only saved me when I was seven years old and gave me a calling when I was seven years old because it wasn't either that or I would have committed suicide by seven years old. It was so hard. Um, but by 19, the Lord takes me to this retreat and he says unto me, hey daughter, you know what? I know you don't understand this right now, but this I will tell to you, Africa will love you. And I was like, what? Daughter, I tell this to you, Africa will love you. And I, I really didn't understand, you know, I was doing missionary trips mostly in the United States, Central America, South America. I come from Puerto Rico in the Caribbean. I come from a teeny tiny island. It's 100 by 35 miles, square miles, that's it. Um, I never expected such a word to come from the Lord. So I tried every way that you could think of to set my feet here in this continent, and I couldn't. I even was given the opportunity to go and study one year in the University of Tel Aviv in Israel, and I couldn't make it to Africa. Until, until the year 2017, 
when in the midst of one of the most horrible hurricanes that have ever passed through my country, Hurricane Maria came through, that was the year that I met Pastor Gideon. And in that very moment, in that very season, the Lord said, in the midst of this chaos, I am opening your door to Africa. And that's how I made it here last year on 2018. So I'm very much blessed. If there is something that I would like to leave clear for you this morning, is that God fulfills his word. Amen? Let's go to the word of God. And in the next 45 minutes, I would like to leave here with you a word of wisdom and principles that I found in a very much interesting story in the Bible. Second Kings chapter 4. Second Kings chapter 4. And let's begin reading there on verse 8. And it says, And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, who was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread and so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us see for him there a bed and a table and a stool, and a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in tither. And it fell on a day that he came tither, and he turned into his chamber and lay there. And he said to Jehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him, and she said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken to this king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily, she hath no child. And her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, he, she stood in the door. And he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And if you are one that takes notes, we are preaching. I would like to call this message, make room for greater things. Make room for greater things. If there is something that God wants you to know, is that there is about time for you to make room for greater things in your life. Amen? So I would like to really quickly go through this story and share some principles that I have learned by studying this woman. 
Uh, first of all, we need to understand that by this time in the nation of Israel, and specifically here, we're talking about the land in which the uh, sons of Issachar used to live, there were majorly three big figures within the people. It was the king, it was the priest, and then there were the prophets. And by now, we're talking about prophet Elisha. Elisha, who is the successor of Elijah, right? And Elisha was walking around with this servant, and it says, as we read, that this woman, this woman has no name. Shunammite is not her name. Shunammite calls out the city in which she used to live, which is Shunem. Shunem means the land of the double portion of the Lord. Shunem means the land in which there is a double flow of the waters of the river. Shunem was the land that was assigned to the sons of Issachar, whom were the ones that were seasoned in knowing the times. They were people that were very much uh, accustomed to understand the prophetic times of the Lord. And in that sense, that passage, this passage lifts up this word for me because we are to be people who should live like the people in Shunem. We should be able to understand the times and the seasons that we are living in. Amen? Now, this woman, it says that she was a great woman. We just read it. In the Hebrew, it says that she was Gadol. G-A-D-O-L. Gadol. Gadol means that she had influence. Gadol means that she was able to make things happen. Gadol means that she was able to call into people's attention so that things will get done. And this woman was Gadol for everything she was able to do, for everything that was going on in her life. So this woman felt that she could serve the man of the Lord, the prophet of God, the voice of God into her own house. I would like to make all of you a question. How many of you have food at the table for the word of the Lord to come and eat in your house? How many of you served God at table so that instead of you always going to ask and request, he will come to visit you and sit down with you at your table and sit and eat with you? Because I'm pretty sure that sometimes when we teach and when we talk about the prophetic, we're always expecting and we do the prophetic sometimes as more of a request of things. More of a, I'm going to ask you for this and this and this and this and this and that. And we bring this long list before God. But then again, sometimes we need to consider that God has already provided, that God has already spoken, that God has already gave you a word what are you doing so that your word gets fulfilled amen because it's not only about God speaking a word thus say it the Lord it's about what are you doing with the word that you're being given it's about what is changing in your life so that the word can be fulfilled amen it's not about God just tending to our quirks and desires. It's about fulfillment of a greater thing. 
Amen? And that's what I love about this story. This woman was about to go through an experience that will set it up for her for greater. We're considering a scene in which is not only about what can God do for me, but what can I do so that I make more room for God in my life. Amen? And if there is a first word of a principle that I would like to share with you, it will be this one. For number one, we can't make God move in our lives, but we can make room for him to move. Let me say that again. We can't make God move in our lives, but we can make room for him to move. Now, the decision to make a room for Elisha is going to be instrumental in what happens in the, in the rest of the story that we have just read. It is not like we did obligated God to do what he did, but it put her in the proximity of power. When you make room for God, it will put you in the proximity of his power. Amen? There is nothing that you and I can do that can force God to move in our lives. But you can always make room so that you have the provision for him to do what he wants to do. Because, see, this is the thing that I have seen as an itinerant minister all over the world, as a prophetic minister, is that people have an expectation that I can make God do this. You can make God do nothing. You open space so that he can move the way he intended to move in your life ever since you were born. Because he has a calling, a word, an intention, a purpose for you. But you are to open up the room so that he can move. Jesus said in John chapter 3 verse 8 that the movement of his spirit is mysterious like the wind. That you can always tell where it comes from or where it's coming. And the moment somebody comes up with a formula that tries to manipulate God, you know they will be misleading you. There are no formulas to manipulate God. That is misleading God called prophetic ministers, not profitable ministers. Are we here? God called prophetic ministers, not profitable ministers. So, when we are dealing with the prophetic, at the light of this story, this woman, she had the power. She had the financial power to ask her husband, hey, let's build a room. Because sometimes you're so hidden behind what you think is your power, your skill, your talent, your gifting, your money. And since you're so good at it, you let those things sometimes to put you in a place in which your character cannot hold you up. So this woman was about to have a ride with God she thought 
that by building this place for this man, by providing for this man, she was going to keep herself in a place of conformity that she used to stand in. And the Lord taught me that sometimes we are so distracted by the abundance of our skills that we lack to see the poverty of our real need. And this woman was gadol for everything except for one thing. She was able to perform everything. She was able to do anything she wanted except one thing. She was not able to have a child. Sometimes you display your skills. Sometimes you display your talent. You display your gifting. But you're not allowing God to truly deal with the things that you need to be dealt with inside of you. Those that your skill, your talent, and your gifting cannot give you. How can I tell how it worked for this woman? This woman has the man of God. This woman has the voice of the Lord dwelling in her house. And by that time, if a prophet was in your house, it was equivalent as is having God in your house. And God comes to your house, pastor, and you have given him a lot. And he offers you more and you dare to say no. Sometimes God is in our midst, but we're so comfortable in the place that we are. We don't want to be messed with the ugly. We don't want to be messed with the ugly, the issues. Are we here? And this man calls out this woman and he says, should I, should I open up space for you with the king or with the leader of the host? And the response of this woman is very dramatic. She says, nah, I'm okay. I'm good. I don't need more. How dare us to tell God we don't need more. Ten years ago, my ministry in my country and, and in South America and Latin America and in the States was beginning to grow and I was beginning to acquire much attention. Doors were being opened, things that I could have never expected were going on. But I do remember that I had issues inside of me that were not dealt with and that I was not allowing God to deal with. However, I am so thankful to God that I do have pastors, real pastors. Pastors that call you into office and sit before you on a one-on-one -on -one meeting. Pastors that have the authority and you are to respect 
because they truly have done so much for your life they have pastored truly pastored you and you don't pastor from here you pastor from here and my pastor sat me down and he told me jesse i am so grateful that the lord is opening doors for you i am so grateful of all the things that you have accomplished i am so grateful for you to be a daughter to our house but as your pastor i need to confront you with your issues and you have issues in which you have not let god deal with it and i'm gonna ask you as your pastor i cannot oblige you i cannot obligate you but i'm gonna ask you as your pastor that you put your agenda down and that you sit in the church for six months and let's deal with your issues and by that time my agenda was full and all over he gave me a week to think and over a week I went before the Lord and the Lord truly crushed me in his presence he told me if you are willing to let me deal with you right now you cannot imagine what it is that I am about to do with you afterwards he did told me you are my daughter and I do love you if you choose not to deal with it right now it will later on bring one too many tears to you and it, it will kill your ministry and I was like oh my god but then I was struggling inside of me and I am not ashamed whatsoever of letting you know this not ashamed whatsoever because I had all the accolades I, I had all the success in business in, in, in professional in ministry it, it, was, it was great it was rolling good for me but I was asked for a season of darkness I was asked for a season of a winter I was asked for a season of sitting down and have God deal with the deeper things inside of me so that I will not have to stand before a pulpit once again and then go home to cry because it doesn't match what I give from here rather from the things that I live in my own room in my own house so I said to my pastor, okay, I will sit down for six months. I gave all my commitments to other ministers that I recommended. I was responsible. But I let God deal with me. This woman had God in her house. God is saying, I have more for you. But she's saying, I'm comfortable the way I am. Do not mess with me. I'm comfortable the way I am because I can live off of my appearance. So that nobody has to see my real pain. Oh my God. Oh my God. 
And God wants to give you more. And God wants you to open room for greater things. God wants to do so much more. God wants for you to really be free. God wants for you to truly engage into the prophetic that he has spoken to your life. But why we make it so hard? Sometimes we say that we're so rich spiritually that we don't realize that we're truly poor. There is a verse in the book of Revelations. Apostle John writing to the church, For you say I am rich, I have prospered, and I did nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Sometimes we want to hide these things that we call failures. But what if I tell you that sometimes those failures are the place where God meets you to truly lift you up. God will always meet with you at the place of your vulnerability. So I call those failures blessed moments in life. And I bless God for my failure. Because I had a chance to be corrected. I had a chance to be blessed. I had a chance to be built into the character that God was calling out of my life. And let me tell you this. I was so blessed when this was going on that my pastors all they covered for me. They made sure that I was being dealt with. And that all processes were completed. That was the moment in which I was able to finally forgive my father for abandoning me. And they worked with me so well that they even took me to his house. And they facilitated the conversation. And today I have the blessing that my father is a sheep of my own church. See, that's true restoration. That's the completion of something. It's a result, a specific result. When restoration comes to your life, there has to be a result that is palpable, that is seeable, that is practical. It's not a feeling. It's not a sensing. It's a result that is factual. Amen? So when Elisha was dealing with this woman and he offers to this woman more grace, more favor. She says, no, I'm okay. In Puerto Rico, we'd say it. Her attitude was like, oh, you just talk to the hand. But when Elisha saw 
that this was going on with this woman, this woman leaves the room. He asks his servant, hey, you know what? We still have to do something for her. Because let me tell you this. It's not that God doesn't see the sacrifice that you do. That even in your struggle, you make it here to praise and worship him. No, God does consider that. And God is a reciprocal God. Not transactional, reciprocal. If you have done something for God, he will do something for you. So since God is a God of principles and he is reciprocal, he still needed to do something for this lady. So he calls her back to the room. But before that, the servant, I find this so interesting. The servant Gehazi say, oh, I have noticed something in this lady. She has borne no children and her husband is very, very old. That was her point of pain. That was the place in which she was not able to be Gadol, in which she was not able to create a result. That was the point in which it doesn't matter all the skill or the money or the talent or the gifting. You cannot make it happen because it requires God. Those are the points in which sometimes we would like to be disregarded. Because we're doing fine here. So let's just disregard this and forget it. Those are the places in which sometimes you have a promise of the Lord. But it's rather better to leave it here. Because this is too hard. Because it requires an amount of faith that I cannot bear with right now. And I'm comfortable here. This faith here. It works like an analgesic. But faith here needs to work as gas it, there's a difference faith here where I am comfortable is like a drug but faith was never intended to be a drug for you or me faith was intended to be gas so that you can achieve what you think is impossible but for him it's possible amen, amen. oh is this blessing you is this helping you So in order to move to a space in which faith will become gas, you need to open up yourself to the process. And this servant notices that this lady has no child, that her husband is very old, meaning that biologically speaking, it was pretty much difficult for it to happen. And how peculiar it is that sometimes pastor moses the people that we least expect are the people that truly notices our real needs sometimes we disregard the people that sit beside us in church because we're looking at the man and woman of god that is coming as a guest but we disregard the people sitting close by us that are seeing the real us. See, it was not the prophet who noticed the need of this woman. It was the servant. Do not disregard the people that are sitting right next to you here. Do not disregard 
the ability of the Spirit of God to, be, to give discernment here in the house. Do not look at any person that may come here as a guest, as bigger than anybody that is right here and belongs to this family and this community. Amen? Because when a real man and woman of God is coming as a guest to the house, what they will do is they will come and they will present themselves to the pastor and submit to their authority. He is my pastor today. He is my pastor whilst I'm here. If I do wrong, he is to call me and correct me. That is kingdom. That is real kingdom of God. So now, Elisha calls out for this woman again. And she comes. And now, it's not about the prophet asking you. Because when I asked you, you were so brave and you told me, hey, I'm okay, talk to the hand. Uh -uh. No. This time, I'm not going to ask you. This time, I will declare. And I will tell you that around next year, by this same time, you will have what you cannot get by your own strength, but only by the strength of the Lord. I will give you the fulfillment of your prophetic word, but it will bring a requirement into your life. You know what? Because you will have to step into bed with things that seem to be dead and you will have to believe and you will have to declare and you will have to deal and you will have to come into an intimate relationship with the things that seem to be impossible for them to happen. There's people here that are waiting for fulfillment of words. But there is a calling into faith in which you need to step in sooner rather than later. And I know what I'm talking about because I am not one that is not going through processes of my own. God is pulling things out of me that require an amount and a depth of faith that sometimes I think is overwhelming. But as I was reviewing these words and, and as I felt led by the Spirit of God to share with you about this woman, I heard the Lord saying, for the house, there is a season in which I am about to open heavens for fulfillment of the word. But it will require, it will require a level of faith that you have not yet experienced. But it's there waiting for you. It's there waiting to fulfill what you have asked the Lord to do for you. What you've been told by God to be and to happen.